Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. God, God forbid we look like we don't know what we're talking about. Yes. No, good, good spot. Thanks. We've come this far doing that, Zach. I think we'll be fine. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Rain Stop Play and are you not entertained? Uh, we are here to reflect on uh, the third test in England and New Zealand as well as chat about Owen Morgan's retirement, take a little look at the England women's test which is taking place right now as we speak and any other business as well. We're going to start with Owen Morgan because that news broke today but a little bit of housekeeping first. Me and Will who is here today by the way, we've got a full Rain Stop Play quartet. We're at Edge Baston on Saturday. I thought I'd get that in right at the start of the pod, Will. So if anyone is at Edgebaston, we'll tweet where we're sat. Maybe come say hello in a non-creepy way, in like a fun cricket Twitter get-together sort of way. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Will's there on the Sunday as well. So if you're there on the Sunday, you can go and pester him on his own. I'm not, unfortunately. Uh, but let's say hello to everybody because uh, it's been a while. Uh, we'll start with Zach because I know he's been playing a lot of cricket. And I think there's a very fun wicket-keeping story we all need to settle down and listen to. Zach, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad. I have been playing some cricket. Uh, I finally got an average for my T20 side last week following a couple of not outs. Uh, I'm now averaging 50 with the bat, you know, just putting oh, out okay, the right. four innings. Drop so, that one there. How many red yeah, inkers does that include? It's not as fun. It's, there's two red inkers in there because it's like, so it's LMS cricket where you have to retire on 50 like it was, you know, oh, okay. when you're a child. So you get 50 and you retire and it's like, oh, that's just amazing for the stats. So you're averaging the maximum possible score? No, because obviously it doesn't count as a, it doesn't count as an out. It doesn't count ah. as me getting out. Okay. Well, so, nearly. You, you could have said yeah. yeah and then said yeah. Yeah, I am. Maximum possible score. Uh, and you're a wicketkeeper um, now? Yeah, I kept wicket for the first time yesterday. Took a catch, second ball, genuine edge. Wow. Genuine edge from an outswing ball. Nice. And I think I only conceded four buys, all to okay. spinners. But yeah. keeping is really hard. My legs were just actually gone about 10 overs in. How many overs was it? 20 overs. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, it's quite tiring. Well done, though. I bet that was a bit of a shock when it nicked second ball. You're just like, oh, God, here it comes. Was it regulation or did you have to move a little bit? It was very regulation. But the, considering he'd smacked the first ball to the for four, I hadn't touched the ball yet. Ooh. So I was like, uh-oh, it's coming to me. And he's nicked it. Uh-oh. <laughs> Well, well done. A man averaging 50, taking a catch. Good season so far. Uh, Will, how are you? It's been a while. What's going on? Any cricket for you? Any any nets anywhere? No, no news. No news. I can tell you that um, long-standing listeners will be aware of a campaign to save our local cricket nets because they are horribly disrepaired uh, in Brockwell Park. And I can tell you that TV historian Tom Holland has retweeted our campaign. So thank you very much to Tom. Oh, that's uh, huge. Shame it wasn't Spider-Man Tom Holland, but you know. No, um, the boring I'm one. I'm sure he's got some reach. I was going to say, I didn't know if he was a historian. I actually, yeah. um, my uh, my dad sent me a, a slightly older um, copy of The Cricketer, I think from just earlier this year. And they had mentioned that campaign in there. It was in the page as well, which was lovely to was see. It? I had to send you all a photo. Yeah, just so okay. it did get a little wow, bit of, you know, as you know, traction and coverage. That was brilliant. Wow. Well, excellent. Okay. Do you want to plug it here, Will? We do have, you know, listeners. Yep. Have Save we... Brockwell Park on Twitter. Thank you very much, listeners. listeners. Especially listeners, if you have money, that would be really, really helpful. <laughs> the council <laughs> want us to crowdfund some of the, the net repairs, so that would be lovely. We can, we can put our $4 of ad money <laughs> towards that. That's that true. Is. Now we're monetized. Let's put that straight back into the into the cause. Great work, Glenn. Good thinking. Uh, and hello, Glenn, by the way. Um, uh to round off a little intro as you played some sport as well um man of the match conceded nine goals well, <laughs> as a goalkeeper yeah so for 
for people listening, I got a lot of flack in our in our main stop play uh, group chat for I, I didn't claim to be man of the match. Could you say I was? Maybe, but I didn't claim it. Um, but we, we I, I did play a, a seven and seven aside. I'm in a seven aside soccer league here in uh, Iowa City Football League for our for our European listeners. And um, yeah, we lost again. I've played. I've played, I think, five games a season. We've been beaten in every single one. And this was the biggest thumping of all. It was mm-hmm. 9-1. It was just sad because, you know, we're in the Founders League, which is like the kind of bottom division. You turn up, you know, we're not the fittest, but you're just there to have a, enjoy it as much as you can. But we always play teams with a load of ringers who are warming up for the later games, right? And there were these there were these blokes, seven aside, Messi's on each wing, cross-field balls. You know, the keeper would pass it out to a winger. They would ping it about 40 yards to feet. And our defenders, you know... You know, bless them. They weren't they weren't the best this weekend. Had had no way had no way of dealing with them. So yeah, I will be honest. It probably should have been about fifteen one, and I did make some solid saves. The ball Good. wasn't slippy, so I couldn't blame yes. that. Found a sticky um, ball in, uh, in our <laughs> yeah. And I don't think I was to blame for any of them. My one mistake, a bad kick, didn't actually lead to a goal. So you know, will I say man of the match? No, but would I accept the award? Maybe. Yeah, like a seven out of ten, maybe in <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. We've got to start, boys. This will be this might be a bumper episode. We don't really know yet, but there's a lot for us to catch up on since we last spoke. Like I said, we'll start with Morgan. We'll then move into the uh, men's test match and then to the women's test match and then any other business. Uh, so stick around. Timestamps will be in the description if you want to miss any of it. But you wouldn't want to, of course, because it's great content. Uh, Owen Morgan's retired. Owen Morgan has retired. Um, news broke on Monday about it that. I don't like it when that happens. When everyone knows it's going to happen, then it happens. I don't think there's a weird trope at the minute. I, I don't know. Uh, but Glenn, I mean, you and me spoke about it in the one-day series review we did. That is it time? I, I personally didn't expect it this soon. Now it's happened. It's it, it, it's kind of made sense. Um, we'll, we'll go through some stats in his career in a minute. But Glenn, I'll come to you first just because we had that chat a couple of weeks ago. Surprised that it's happened so suddenly? I am. Uh, I do feel, you know, I think we were sl- our conversation was slightly validated, Dan. We we did say, I think we were uh, we were quite balanced. You know, there were some calls for him to to go off the bat. And we thought, well, you know, he's, he's contributed so much. And we still had some faith that he could play himself back into form. But on the other hand, Dan, we did say that I think we, oh, you know, oh Morgan himself, will A, internally know when it's time to go. And be externally for the team, know when it's probably time to let another quality player from the riches we have in the short form of the game to come in. Would you believe it? I mean, that time apparently is now. It's, you know, it's just, it is a real shame, I think, that his final games in an England shirt were, you know, getting two ducks against a not even full strength Netherlands side. So it was sad to see him go on that low. But I think it was incredibly brave and I mean you know you can only commend him for knowing when it's time and that's now and I think the fact that he wasn't even fit for the third game spoke for itself so effectively and this is to criticize his form at all but he did just get you know a duck duck and injured miss the third game that's you know that's probably an indication for him that maybe now is the time and it's sad that it's ended that way I'm glad that he's going to continue playing domestic cricket for Middlesex he will be captaining London Spirit in the 100 as well so we haven't seen the back of him we, we will see hopefully he'll be playing some good cricket this summer but yeah maybe Dan maybe it was the right time I think it was yeah. the right time yeah and in 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 a rare bit of form for the podcast Glenn you and I have actually said that doesn't quite cutting pieces of analysis fairly recently that have turned out to be true um and that was it wasn't it he obviously knew it was time i think two two ducks against the netherlands while he saw all of his younger more informed teammates take them apart and it was a mauling over there was probably enough but and you know fitness concerns as well um he he's 35 which obviously isn't old but is old in sporting terms. Um, I'm going to come to Zach in a minute for a, a, a stat moment as we reflect on his career. Uh, but Will, just your thoughts on it? General shock at all, um, or or was it or was it time? Yeah, I mean, I think both could be true at the same time. It was. It makes a lot of sense, as you've yeah. said, when you kind of when it comes through and it's confirmed, you don't think, oh, this is totally out of the blue. Never expected it. But I, I'm a little bit surprised by the timing, just because I feel like. And maybe this is maybe this says more about us than Owen Morgan. Maybe he's just quite a sort of down to earth, unflappable chap and he doesn't really care about the ceremony of it. If it were me, I would like that sort of testimonial style game at the very least. You know, I'd announce the retirement, play one more at Lords, see you later, wave to the crowd, goodbye. Um, so I'm a bit surprised that it was with immediate effect. But as Glenn said, you know, if, you, if that's what happens against the Netherlands and you don't feel it, I guess for athletes at that level, when you know, you know. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm the same, Will, because our narrative has always been 
oh, he'll get the, the next World Cup out, the next T20 World Cup out of the way, and then maybe he'll call it. But, you know, and that's kind of what we've been saying for maybe 18 months. And, you know, he just knew at the end of the day. Well, I, um, thought, he, I thought he would probably go after the last T20 World Cup last year. I was a little bit surprised that he didn't straight after that. Um, I think I thought ended on a bit of a damp squib, didn't one. it? Yeah, I guess so. You like, don't want maybe to go I'll give it a go. Yeah. I could have seen him maybe playing T20s a little. No, I don't, I don't know. That's not getting to this conversation. He's gone Going back now. to Kolkata. I do have to say, it's a pretty sad existence where anybody's last professional cricket game is for the London Spirit. <laughs> but there we are. Uh, and he's going straight into the Sky commentary box as well, which is nice. <laughs> and he did a few stints in the first test, I think, and he was quite good. He's a nice guy, isn't he? How um, long is it going to be until he gets a Rob Key jobs for the boys' job? I think he's going to go away and do a Tomorrow. bit of franchise <laughs> Well, everything Rob Key touches turns to gold, Will, as we will come on to very, very soon. So <laughs> yeah, this... Dan's going to be really smug in the next part because he has been vindicated. Yes, he will. Yes, I've been so vindicated. This has been a, a year of vindication for me after many episodes <laughs> of nonsense. Um, top line stat, 7,701 ODI runs, 2,458 T20 runs, and one truly legendary career is a tweet I favorited uh, earlier. Um Zach, he was a very decorated player, wasn't he? I mean, stats-wise. Um, holds a lot of records for uh, England in the white ball team. Played 17 tests. Sorry, 16 tests as well, worth noting. Um, how we remember Morgan the cricketer then? Because I still remember him when he, he wore that sort of... miss. He, he, was, he looked properly Irish and he wore that helmet that was too big for him and he was reverse-sweeping everybody and he was great in the middle order. I'll still always remember that. But there was there's so much that's happened in his career. Yeah, I mean, you know, top line, most ODI appearances, runs and sixes for England. And he's also got all of all of that for, in T20Is as well, appearances, runs and sixes. So it's easy to forget how good a player he was, as well as being this great captain who also, you know, has one of the best, has one of the best win records of any England captain in one day cricket, has the highest run rate of any ODI captain to captain more than five games. The next closest is Cook, about a run, a run, of, an over behind him, which is, you know, significantly lower. Yes, it, the only captain who gets close to him is in world cricket is Virat Kohli, who's pretty close, but no one else is close other than Butler, who's captained two games, and obviously those two games are also within the kind of Morgan was captain. You know, Joss was just filling in. I, I I think we could see him in a consultancy role with the White Bull side for the World Cup later this year. Why wouldn't you keep him around the camp? Do you know what I mean? Like, he's clearly so influential in that team. And just because he's not playing doesn't mean he can't hang around. Yeah, I like that consultancy role. Not not so much a coach as just a guy. Just a good guy. Sounds like a great... All the you, you want a mascot, like a guy. You want him <laughs> to get in a, in a mascot outfit. <laughs> no, nah, he didn't even need to dress up. Just be him. <laughs> We're just like, just cheer the crowd a little bit. Um, you know, a great player, but this obviously now opens up a huge amount of possibilities for this one-day team. Like, I, could, I can't remember when Morgan batted. It was like four, I think, on the card most times, and that would obviously shuffle around. But when he was injured for that third ODI, they brought Curran in, an all-rounder. So they could do that in the long term. They could bring in another, another batter. It'd be fascinating to see what they do. Uh, but Glenn, with Josh Butler probably going to be captain, I mean, highly, highly likely, you got to say... Should be fine. I feel like it's going to be like Matthew Mott taking over the coaching role. Like Butler's not going to have to do a heck of a lot here. And and if, as Zach said, uh, Morgan takes a consultancy role, he'll have that influence around the camp still. So it should be a pretty, uh, pretty calm transition. Do you think? Yeah, you can only hope so. And it's one of those things is you know we're not going to realize how big a role he played until his absence is really felt. You know, later down the line, that's how influential he was. Um, it's worth reiterating that you know under Morgan, you know England won the World Cup in 2019 for the first time, uh, ODI World Cup, magnificent achievement. And you know a team that was in disarray effectively in the short um, in the you know white ball game up until really Morgan's tenure. I think the first World Cup he oversaw was a bit of a mess. Um, after that, we reached the top of the world of the one day and the 2020 rankings. So he leaves an um, extraordinary legacy, but he also leaves a lot of pressure and expectations. And him and Josh, uh, Josh are very different characters. You could see, you know, a criticism that 
Butler got sometimes, I almost agreed with it actually, with a test side, is he just looked miserable. He just didn't look like he wanted <laughs> he to did, be there. He's got, a, he's got a resting bitch face, I think. But yeah, like... I think he, yeah, he just looks really sad. That is exactly <laughs> his resting face. Obviously, it's completely different. And it goes without saying, as he's shown time and time again, especially in the most recent IPL, that he is the best. Honestly, I probably wouldn't pick anyone above him in the short form game to open up in T20s. So he has the quality. Another thing is, you know, will the stress of the captaincy maybe affect his batting output that's the worst of every world really would be for it the stress and the pressure everything that comes with captaining what is the best short form of the game uh, team in the world what does that potentially affect what he does on the pitch you can only hope not you know he's already keeping he's already batting he's already got a lot on his plate but you know i think it feels like he's a natural successor as you touched on dan it's effectively already been announced they they almost announced it at the same time as morgan's retirement i think he will be he will be confirmed next week as the as the next captain and i think he'll do a good job i think he he's in his element right he is at the peak of his game at a team that is at the best the best stage they've been in for a long time um and i i just think selection is going to be hard i still you know morgan's absent sadly is going to be felt, but also leaves a gap in the team for someone to fill. But I think picking a, an 11 for the upcoming World Cup is really difficult. We have a huge pool of talent um, right now, which is fantastic. But that also gives you headaches. But yeah, I hope he's happier than he is in the test team. But I, I do have confidence that at the start, it will be solid. But I do think just the charisma that Morgan has will, will be will be lacking uh, somewhat throughout the team. So that's something to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. I'm, I'm always too positive. So thanks for just making me just checking me there um, as you do so regularly. Um, so, yes, fantastic career from Owen Morgan. Unbelievable legacy um, and well done on a great career. And hope we see you around some more, whether it be commentary or consultancy or leading London Spirit to a, an unbelievable turnaround at this year's 100. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but that will do for part one. Uh, in part two, we're chatting about the third test between England and New Zealand. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome back to part two of this week's episode of Rain Stop Play. Thank you for joining us. Um, uh, England are the greatest test team in the world now, right, Will? <laughs> Stunned into silence by that. Speechless. Hell. <laughs> wow. That's why I wanted to start that. this part. Like, this is it. Now, now, Will, you've been away for a few weeks, but we had, I've been Bazball since day one. Bob, Bob and Bazball. Um mm-hmm. Uh, Zach, I was converted after the first test. Glenn is nearly there, but as I said at the end of part one, there rightly checks us to make sure it doesn't go out of hand. But after that, are you converted? Well, here's the thing: everybody, basically, unless you're a really grumpy old man, basically would love your team to play test cricket in basketball fashion. That's always the case. There is a reason it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> I, I think tee off brackets, not recklessly. It's quite hard to do consistently and not mess it up. There will undoubtedly be times that it explodes in people's faces. Um, and if we're going to do this approach for the, for the foreseeable future sustainably, people do have to not freak out if you get battered in the old game. Um, I think it's fun. I mean, I think it's great, Dan. Uh, I don't think they're the best test team in the world. Okay, how about the best test team ever? Okay, mm, well you've got a case there. <laughs> then we can debate. Um, I, I, do you know what I will say? Just to just to just to drop a bomb into it from the off. I still think Burns and Sibley are our best openers. 
Okay, right. Okay, this this isn't this isn't the way I saw this part starting, um, but that's okay. We can pivot off this point uh, for some context, listeners. Uh, if you didn't know, England won the third test by seven wickets. Uh, again, chasing in the fourth innings. Again, chasing a score down of more than two hundred and seventy-five. Again, doing it at around five-ish and over. Again, making us all very happy. Again, making me giddy um, and declaring these ridiculous things um, on a podcast. Um, Let's not. I'm not going to entertain. Okay, that no. Question, can I? Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I be less cheeky? I'll give you a genuine answer. Yes, please. I'll give you a genuine answer. I think they're one good, consistent opening bat and some healthy bowlers away from contending for the best side in the world. Agreed. But they've got five injured bowlers at any one time, which is a bit of a problem. Yeah, that is an issue, isn't it? And that's that why is... you get stats like chasing 253 times in a Test match. Most great Test teams don't have to chase 250 that many times. That is a very fair point, and I think that is one I saw on Twitter. But I mean, I don't care how you get it, but it's perhaps a point. Um, lots of things to talk about. Some highlights from the match. Um, Joe Root's very good. Um, and Johnny Bairstow. Johnny, Johnny Bairstow. And to your point, Will, it was all about to go wrong, wasn't it, Glenn? At 55 for six, I thought we all saw Basball coming crashing down before our eyes. And then a quite miraculous partnership between Jamie Overton and Johnny Bairstow. Um Gave us a lead somehow. That that was kind of crazy. Uh, for me, this 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 showed the, the value of a number of a number eight who can bat. Huge, huge value. I could see Sam Curran getting runs for Surrey. You can come on to that later. But Glenn, do you just feel vindicated by how much you've backed Bearstow on this podcast for for two years now? You've been the Bearstow guy, even at his lowest point, and I certainly haven't been. I'll hold my hands up. Uh, but 162 from 157 unbelievable and this man won us the test match effectively there's other people we can talk about and our point about jack leach last week is is true but well done for backing bearstow basically Glenn. yeah i may not be fully sold on the whole basball project quite yet but i i my, my one thing what do you people need <laughs> <laughs> to play away from home <laughs> okay fair. But we will get there um but no johnny bearstow i mean what can you say across the series 394 runs an average of 78 at a strike rate of 120. I mean, he's got an ODI strike rate um, for all those runs. Absolutely fantastic. I didn't realise he wasn't even our um, leading run scorer across the series. That still was the king, Joe Root, um, who scored 396, beat him by just two runs at a wonderful average of 99. But, Dan, how amazing is it to see our batters firing? And Ollie, to be honest, you know, Bearstow is obviously the hero, and I'm so delighted for him. But to see Ollie Pope look so confident at three and just playing his shots and looking, looking like the Ian Bell figure that we kind of hoped he might have been. And I mean, probably all of us, you know, I, I know that you've certainly backed the new setup and kudos for that. But I don't think many of us really had much confidence in, in Pope at three. I think you were calling for him to go, I think, Dan. After I, the first I, I, test. But, I, but I think I still was after the second test. It just didn't look it still. I still don't think it looks right. And to Will's point about an open battle coming to Crawley, that doesn't look right. But what what it is. It's the same backroom staff. It is effectively the same playing 11. Adding your best two bowlers back and picking a few guys in form from the West Indies. But it just shows whatever McCullum has said to these people, whatever Stokes has said, the mentality shift has just brought them out of their shell. And Johnny Bess is probably the best example of that at the minute. Well, yeah, a couple of players, I, I agree. I think Johnny Bairstow is, is number one there. Jack Leach maybe a close second with how he's been trusted uh, and just imbued with confidence on this new setup. Um, but how much fun was it to see Stuart Broad, a guy who effectively forgot to bat for half of the last decade, smashing like the most fun 42 you could possibly see. Eight boundaries, six fours, two sixes. You know, that I mean, that's baseball, right? That is that's Stuart Broad remembering how to bat, dominating a tiring bowling lineup that, you know, was toiling away um and aside from bolt who was magnificent and we will touch on he's in a little bit later i'm sure did didn't seem to be their best but yeah it was just amazing and i could not agree with you more one of our concerns and an ongoing concern with this england team are the openers and the tail enders right still having a tail of, of three four is a worry because that puts a lot more pressure on your middle order but for jamie overton on debut to do everything except secure his hundred was amazing i mean that 97 what a partnership what confidence he's been batting well um, for uh, Surrey, which is great. He's a dangerous, aggressive batter, especially in the short form of the game. But to see him do it at the test level on debut was magnificent. 
there's just so many individual performances to talk about. Um, Zach, you were there for days three, four, and five. Uh, you were caught on TV doing a very suspect-looking four-boundary signal. Um, I'd work on that. Maybe the pitch just got you wrong. Um, <laughs> how was it for a start? Obviously, Henley, uh, a great, if somewhat uh, fractious, fractious atmosphere with some of the Barmy Army. No, can't be asked to talk about that. Uh, but how was it? And, you know, what was it like being there and seeing some of these performances in the flesh and, you know... Who do you want to talk about, basically? There's, there's, there's too many for us to kind of pick out at the minute. Yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, I was going to talk about Stuart Broad, but Glenn's already stolen that because I was there for that morning. That was that was just a brilliant Stuart Broadings, and it felt so inevitable that he was going to do it. Around the ground, everyone was like, oh, obviously Broad's going to score a quick 30 here. It's not going to be... Like, he was he was so clearly going to get some runs. And Bairstow, I was, it was, I was a bit gutted Bairstow kind of... Uh, hauled out for once was it one six eight in the end because i really thought he could have gone on and and got a double century which would have been his first his first ever and he he absolutely loves just doing everything and then cheering the western terrace throughout the whole test match and he did it he's done it every time i've seen bearstow at headingley he just loves fielding in front of the western terrace we, everyone was really gutted in the stands when he came up to wicket keep because it meant obviously he wasn't going to be in front of the western terrace you know so, Bairstow, brilliant. Broad, brilliant. Potts, Potts. We haven't mentioned How Potts good yet. is Potts? So, How good? And I th- I'm kind of hold my hand up and I said he was the third team who's going to disappear in a year. Can't remember if I said that on the pod or just to a mate. But he's the real deal. It was it was great to see him bowl a bit of control as well as being like, he's not just, a, he's like a strike bowler who has control. It's like perfect. Um, yeah, and you know, there were question marks, you know, playing in the second division in the county champ for for Durham. That's almost a double step up in a mm. way, arguably. No way, you know, the just the passion he showed for the long form of the game was inspiring. His bowling was so consistent. He got 14 wickets at an average of just 23 over the series. I mean, he's arguably the breakout star. I think he yeah. is for, for, for names that were unexpected. Um, that's the thing, you, you know, it's, it's felt like all the pieces just fitted together so neatly, Dan. Like everything came just- off. Pope just picking three, him in the yeah. first place, though. Just picking someone in form. It's just something I we weren't agree. doing, right? I agree. You know, I absolutely. It speaks for itself. And, you know, to have him as an option, uh, a strong option, who who is, we'll get on to the India game uh, shortly, but to, who's thrown himself in real contention. I mean, he arguably very much should be playing that test, right? It, it couldn't be better for him. And he's he's been, yeah, a real breakout star. And it, isn't it nice to have, we're, we're, we're talking about so many players in such a positive light. It's so refreshing. Like, the reason we've kind of left the openers is because we want to focus on the great stuff. And there's so much of it. And I mean, Leach as well. I mean, it's it's you know, oh, huge for fantastic. Leech. We we spoke last week for those who listened about he needs a big one here, and I think we both agreed just a five for in the second would be great because that's where English spinners need to come into their own England. He then proceeded to take the first five wicket haul by an English bowler in England in the first innings since Jim Laker, which is he's an, that's an old name for sure. Contemporary played, but it's old, uh, and then took ten. It was just glorious to see and. I think you already alluded to it, Glenn, but it's it's the confidence that he's been given by the setup to go and do his thing. He's bowling a bit better. I mean, he was pretty average in the first two tests. He just had a very good test match, but sticking with him, going with it. He now, I believe, has a lower test average than Nathan Lyon, who's obviously played a lot more games. But isn't that a fun stat for a minute? Yeah, he's just, you know, just slow left arm isn't the flashiest form of bowling. And like it's worth acknowledging that sometimes. It's just not as thrilling as leggies or, you know, someone who can spin it both ways or someone who's coming in like, you know, Wood, Archer, whoever else at 90 plus. Like It's not that entertaining, but trusted and, you know, give, given some backing from the from the management, it, it, it can work. It can work really well. And yeah, he looked he looked happy. The celebrations with Stokes were wonderful to see, you know, rubbing on the head, you know, grabbing his cheeks, just a really nice atmosphere. And backing him, even when players, for example, Bracewell, went on the attack against him, spanked him for six, what Joe Root and Silverwood most likely would have done straight away, drop a bloke on the boundary, drop a play on the boundary, and just hope for the best. Stokes refused to do that. He backed his bowler, he kept them up, and he he basically told, you know, the New Zealand batters, if you want to take him on, give it a go, and we think we'll get you out. What happens? A catch um, shortly after. So to see him used aggressively as well to get wickets, he had control. His economy was excellent. He was accurate and he was dangerous. I mean, it was a break again, a breakout test, at least in the home, in the home environment for him, too. I mean, what a what a joy to see. And we said it, Dan, as you said, you know, we said he needs a five foot and he gave us two. 
I can't I know. complain. I know. It was just beautiful, isn't it? He gave us the two. Um, and obviously got that hilarious fortuitous wicket of Henry Nichols, who battered it against Daryl Mitchell, who was middling literally everything, uh, who pinged it to, to Alex Lees. That was good fun. And that kind of, that would give you good vibes. You'd be like, right, it's going for me here as a spinner. I'm gonna, let's, let's go get 10. So uh, well done to him. Quick one on that, uh, Dan. He clearly um, doesn't really know the laws of the game as well because he had no idea it was out. He said <laughs> afterwards in interview that he had no idea that was a thing, which I kind of find is just a proper like alpha move to be really good but not have a clue what the laws are. It, it's oh, quite dear. annoying, but... <laughs> just, just even know what LBW is. He just he yells every hits the pad. He's just, he's just too good for it. Um, that was hilarious, though. And... Uh, Jamie Oton on debut bowling-wise was okay, offered a bit of something, uh, perhaps a bit nervous in the first innings and wasn't really wasn't really needed as much um, uh, in the second, but still picked up two wickets. So, you know, it's all right. It's a great-looking England team. We do have to talk about some... We love moaning. Because I, I think, if you look at BBC text, right, the live text, when there's a collapse, I think people who are messaging in love it. I think England fans in this sort of sadomasochistic way love a collapse or we're England, we're collapsing. So I want to have a moan about a few players, and, and it has to be Zach Crawley, who, in a brilliant piece by Jonathan Lewis in The Guardian, as he always does, um, basically said, in longer form than this, and I'll go and check it out, Zach Crawley should be the embodiment of Basball. He's perfect for it, but he's got zero technique or ability to actually do it. He can't craft an innings. And I think he, uh, Jonathan Lewis even said, he, he ran Alex Lees out because the concept of a single to Zach Crawley was so foreign that he wasn't ready to get to take the single. It had to be a four or nothing. Uh, and it's such a shame. And, you know, the, what was it, 25 uh, off 33 balls, six fours. So 24 or 25 runs coming in boundaries just sums him up. He's just not at the races, is he, lads? Either mentally or technically. I don't know what people think about his place in the team. Uh, I suspect he'll play against India on Friday because it's such a quick turnaround and the the McCullum way is to, to, to give players to give players a go. But long term, surely this can't be a thing. Surely this is running out. Yeah, I think we were looking at his form on, on the preview pod for this test and we were sounding the alarm bells a little bit. I think he just wasn't picking up runs domestically, which was which was a big red flag, right? And I think you're right. It was fo- funny, I was following the live text for that 25, that very chaotic 25, and I saw it hit 1-4 and I was like, great, you know, he's, he's found the middle, that should relax him. I saw he'd hit another 4 in that over I think consecutively and I was like okay that's that's enough for this over saw he'd gone for a third four and I was just like when's he going to be out you know how many balls left has he got because that's just it's, it's just no way to build a sustainable innings right if, if you're coming at number seven or eight if you're Stuart Broad or you're taking on the Johnny Best or role in different circumstances sure you go out with that aggression if you're an opener in test cricket against the quality of people like Trent Bolt who is magnificent who can have any batter's number on any given day that's not going to build you in innings. And looking at his scores, Dan, for the series, 43-9-4-0-6-25. I mean, it's just nothing to write home about. There's no 50 in there. There's, what, four single-digit scores, including one duck. I mean, it's pretty miserable reading. And in a way, in the same way that it was so sad to see Owen Morgan suffer in the Netherlands when everyone else was, you know, making so much hay and making so much runs in the sun. In a, in a similar way, we've seen so many players with bat and bolt excel in this series and cruelly, unfortunately, has been lagging behind. And that's really sad to see. And I agree with Jonathan Liu. He, he should embody this, but unfortunately, those gaps in the technique are being found out. Yeah. Johnny Liu, Johnny Liu called it a high fast, that innings, which is so true. Um and you look and you compare that, Glenn, as you said, to some of the bright sparks of this. And Ollie Pope's and Zach Crawley's test average was very similar coming into this series. Pope's has now crept up towards, I think, 33. Crawley's down to like 26 now, I think. And, he, and my issue, Zach, and I know you want to come in on this, but he, he also still, he's still got no county career to back why he's being selected. Ollie Pope sort of, well, very much does, especially at the Oval, as is well documented but Zach Crawley's been picked on vibes alone and perhaps that 247 against Pakistan and perhaps that big 100 in the Caribbean over the winter but how long before this rate this this regime as a harsh word um this coaching staff this setup is a better word perhaps um how long before they run out of patience with him basically do you think so listening to Baz McCollum on interview after the, the end of play yesterday it sounds like they've got a lot of patience with him still 
he sounded like he absolutely loved Dan's face then. For all the listeners, Dan has just just properly grimaced, automatically grimaced at me then. Um, But yeah, he sounded like he has full confidence in him, talks about how good a striker of the ball he is. But you're right, Dan, it can't last. He now has the lowest average for any opener to play for England to, to, to open in more than 30 innings. He has the lowest average of anyone to have been given that many chances. So surely it can't last. Dom Sibley did get a ton today. He, he even came down the track and hit four I, over, over I, the bowler's head. This opener issue debate we'll have at another time, but I do like Crawley in the sense that he, he sort of dovetails, dovetails with Lees quite nicely because I feel like if you brought in Lees and a Sibley, It'd be a bit, might be a bit slow at the top. I know Leeds can score quickly, but I do like this counter-attacking method at the top. Just with some sense and some idea of what's going on would be helpful. Um, but I mean, he's definitely the only sort of sort of issue in this team at the minute, right? I spoke earlier about the value of a number eight, and we spoke Glenn in a couple of previews about the length, the potential length of the tail. Obviously, Overson coming in at eight, who is who can clearly bat, save this game for us. Um, do you think the England setup's going to realise that and maybe stop playing these long tails if possible? Again, Sam Curran got his maiden uh, first class hundred this week after I think scoring about thirty fifties. So that's a, a monkey off his back. Um, but yeah, the importance of number eight and getting that setup right, I think, has been shown in this test match. Yeah, I agree. And and Curran's uh, Curran's hundred was scored at a cracking rate as well. It was a really quick hundred actually. The one he the one he um, got just uh, just recently. Yeah, I mean. Yes, but also and no. I mean, we kind of back at square one in a way because, as you rightly said, Dan, you know, Overton was all right with the ball, but he's not going to be picked on his bowling ahead of Potts or Broad or Anderson or some other people. So I think, you know, I know we're going to think about maybe what 11 we would put out um, for, for the India test, which is really exciting. That's so quick around the corner, which is fantastic for test cricket. Um, but it is... It is worth considering, yes, he showed the absolute value of being there. Like It was magnificent. And again, it rescued the game. But at the same time, he's going to be picked on his bowling. If that isn't as strong as some of his competitors for a place in that 11, we are still going to be kind of hamstrung with this long tail. And that is still an issue, I think, moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And we will come on to talk about the indie game very briefly. Uh, question for you, Will. This is from a listener. Um, thank you for tweeting us, Jack Fox. Um, do follow us on Twitter. You can start asking us questions like this. Uh, we don't ask them very often, though. So maybe that's real, why. This guy? I, I believe this man is real, um, which is huge Hi, for us. Hi, Jack. Yeah, thank you. At Cricket Pig, go give him a follow. Um, well, is Basball more or less sustainable on absolute roads like the one we saw in that Pakistan Australia series uh, not long ago than it is in England? Um, you know, we, we've spoken, like, I've come out in this part, all guns blazing. This is the greatest thing ever. We do have to wait for a test, quote unquote. Bit of a love island quote that, you know, our relationship needs a test. Otherwise, are we real? Are we a thing? Uh, is this a thing? Is this relationship real? real? Send, real? Cultural send, references on send Baz to Castle Ramor with their <laughs> star. <laughs> the six pack. It needs, Baz needs a test, Will. Um, is this going to work, basically, elsewhere? How sustainable are we looking at this? It's a great question. I saw that one on Twitter and I have to admit, I thought to myself, really interesting question. I hope some, I hope an expert replies to that. <laughs> <laughs> you are the expert in this I'm case. The expert. Um, is it more sustainable or less sustainable on roads? I'm going to go with more sustainable. I can't think of a reason more for less unless right? Zach's about to provide one. So my thoughts immediately jumped to when I saw this question. I I don't I don't know if it's more sustainable, but I think we're more you're more likely to win games on absolute roads because we'll be able to score the runs in that shorter amount of time that you might need to just set up a declaration to give yourself a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, say say you bat first, you know, on a road, and then in the third innings you need to score quick runs to set up a declaration when the pitch is maybe starting to break up. Then I think it you're more likely to win games. But obviously, with that, there's more chance you lose games. I'm really interested to see how it would go if we play on a... And Dan, you're going to hate this, an Ahmedabad pitch again. (laughs) Because (laughs) in games like that, if you can have a quick partnership of 50 from not that many, it's game-changing. Whereas, obviously, we saw in the Pakistan-Australia series, it was just runs and runs and runs. And I do think it would 
be interesting to see how it'll be interesting to see how it goes in both settings. But I think particularly in the when it's you know absolute ragging and you know you're bat say you're bat you're batting and it's just kind of changing and then you need a fifty quick fifty partnership to just get you that extra few runs as the pitch is breaking up. I think that's that's where it'll be even more interesting to see. And that is it, isn't it? And, you know, we'll have another opponent on Friday to try this against, I guess, um, which will be fun. And I do love the term Bazball. Don't know where that came from, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, so I, thank think, you for the I think it's us. I think we coined it. Do you think? And it was, the cricket media's picked up on it from us, do you reckon? Yeah, yeah I'm I taking like credit that. for it. We'll put that in our Twitter bio. Makers of Bazball. Like, <laughs> ah, we'll, we'll have that. We'll start monetizing that. Uh, just wrap up a few of the bits in that series then. Um Joe Root was player of the series, 396 runs at an average of 99, a, pl- a, a pedestrian strike rate of 74, uh, 200 and one half century. I think that was nicked from Johnny Bairstow, by the way. Because, that was daylight like, robbery. That was daylight robbery because Bairstow took us from 55 for six in the third test and then was part of that massive partnership with Stokes in the second test. So don't quite know what happened there. Uh, luckily, uh, Jack Leach won player of the match, which I think he deserved for his 10 for although Bairstow probably could have won that as well. Uh, again, Bairstow's final series analysis of 394 runs at 78 with a strike rate of 120, um, which someone said was an average Darren Milan T20 series, which is p- pretty much spot on. Um, so yeah, listen, an absolutely fascinating series, but we must look at the other team that took part as well. And to segue into it, I'd like to point out that Daryl Mitchell has more runs in England than Zach Crawley, which is hilarious. Uh, but well done to him. That if you guys saw the video of Joe Root making sure he got a stump to to remember the series by, that was nice. But but where did it go wrong for New Zealand? I mean, th- these are the World Test champions, and they weren't that well prepared coming into it. But it feels like to me, I don't know who wants to pick up on this, but they got some horrible selection, some terrible selection. Not having a frontline spinner in this third test killed them. Uh, not enough runs from their top four. And then it was the Bracewell Blundell partnership that was gluing, uh, not Bracewell, um, Mitchell Blundell partnership that was gluing them together. And it kind of felt a bit Groundhog Day for them. But I think some poor selection, some iffy captaincy from Williamson. I know a few people were calling for for his head from a captaincy front have left them fairly embarrassed in this series, probably. Yeah, a lot of issues for them, really, Dan. I, you know, we, 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 again, we raised a few um, uh, worries on our preview pod when we looked at their, you know, their record in the warm-ups that just, you know, you can't extrapolate too much from it, but the signs were there that this might not be a smooth series for them. I think a lot of the big guns didn't really shine for them. I mean, you touched on Williamson, captaincy concerns. He's clearly out of Nick, and that's not great to see. He nearly put together an innings in this last game. He made starts, but he just could not convert, and that was tough to take. Um, yeah, and, you know, Southie had a pretty pretty iffy series by his standards. I think they've really missed Jameson. I think his injury really characterized their kind of bad luck, I think, because he was looking really dangerous. And had he stayed in the in the setup, um, I think they would have the, the games would have been a bit tighter. But at the same time, if you do take Mitchell's runs out of this team, it's a bit of it's a bit of a battering, to be perfectly honest. So with the bat, he got 538 runs coming from the middle of the order here, the most of any player across the both teams at a ridiculous average of 107. That is also the most runs by um, a player in a three match series for New Zealand. So the records were falling wow. for him. As you touched on, his partnership, his consistent partnerships with Tom Blundell were wonderful. Uh, Together, they added 724 runs across six innings. Again, breaking records, the highest by any New Zealand pair in a test series. They also became the first New Zealand duo to share four century stands in the series. So they were magnificent. But Dan, in a way, we're celebrating a lot of different England players. But if you take those two from a New Zealand perspective out of it, and again, you know, Bolt's magnificent bowling too, the rest of the team didn't really contribute, especially with the bat. They just looked a bit lackluster. They just weren't, they didn't look like World Test Champions this series, which is sad to see because I love watching New Zealand. I love the games. They were all, don't get me wrong, they were competitive matches and we were on the ropes at many different times. I'm not saying they failed or anything like terribly, but they just, they, you know, we were potentially there for the for the taking with a new setup and a bit of nervous players, but, you know, they just couldn't couldn't quite hack it this series. That's it. They were in every game at one point, and it just sort of it sort of got out of hand for them at points. I think this was where the selection came in. The lack of use of Ajaz Patel in the first one, the lack of selecting him in, in the third, having Bracewell as your front liner at, at eight, 
uh, only giving Wagner one test match at the end. There was just some slightly confused selection and, and the lack of de Grandon maybe killed them a little bit because he is, again, an important part of that middle order. And fascinating that Mitchell wouldn't have even played were it not for Henry Nichols' injury in the, in the first test match. So there's something there. But one thing they won't be too worried about is their front line, seeing bowler Trent Bolt, uh, Zaki with there, as we said. That spell and lead, the lead, like Pope and Crawley make any ball look good sometimes when they get out, but they were good deliveries. And the Lee's one was gorgeous. And we spoke, I think, last last podcast about how much we love watching Trent Bolt play. But Zach, how how good was that spell? And they were talking about sort of ranking all left arm bowlers on on some on Sky's commentary. He's got to be right up there for right arm uh, for left arm pace, hasn't it? He? he was he's been glorious all series. Yeah, as you say, that that spell was amazing. I think it ranked as the most dangerous opening spell ever in Crickviz's database. Wow, so... since two thousand six. That's when we have the, the detailed stats That's from. crazy. That's crazy because there's been a lot of opening spells since 2006, one would say. And it looked it as well from television, might I add. Yeah, I think only the Croy one was a bit, you know, if you're not hitting a ball that's on middle and leg, then <laughs> yeah. as an opener, it's not great. The Pope one was good. The Lees one was, was brilliant. I mean, they were talking on commentary like, oh, maybe Lees should have taken a step forward. But if Lees takes Jeez. a step forward, he nicks it. He, he, nicks it to yeah. set, he nicks it to slip. He'll feel better about it if he does nick it to slip, but he's he's still getting out to that ball. Like, there's no doubt about it. It was just, he looked on it. I think I messaged, I messaged a friend of mine, second ball of that spell. I was like, oh, Bolt looks on one here. And then I, and then I was like, oh, he's definitely going to get, he's definitely going to get Pope or Crawley out bold. Definitely going to get one of them through the gate. And he got both of them. So yeah, absolutely brilliant performance from him. He was really unlucky not to get a fifer in the end because Southie decided to just take all the tail wickets. <laughs> Bastard. But yeah, brilliant performance from Trent Bolt. Also, because in this series, he became the record holder for number 11 runs, which is which is, which is is jokes. He yes. even made a, an injured Jameson come out ahead of him so he could get, the, so he could get that record, <laughs> which so, you've got to That's respect. hilarious. Someone did say that the reason his spell started so brightly and he was so you know, had so much rhythm is because he was stranded on, on naught, batting at 11. He was fuming. So he went, right, lads, come on, let's have none of this. I'm going to take three quick wickets. Um, so yeah, a lot to look at for New Zealand, actually. And Will, I don't think anything on this, but Kane Williamson as captain, he's seen Joe Root relinquish it and, uh, you know, muster a smile and, and lots of runs. He's seen Virat Kohli relinquish the captaincy. Uh, he's seen Steve Smith cheat his way out of the captaincy. Um, the last of the Fab Four looking after the test team. Do you think it could, you know, he's been in charge for a while now and he's really suffering in, in form as well. Do you think potentially we could see him move the captain onto Tom Latham and just settle in at number four and back loads of runs? I always feel like there's a part of this podcast that's a bit, it's a bit like silly season for, for transfer stories where Dan just decides to stir some discourse <laughs> out, out of nowhere. Um, it is silly season. It's the summer. We're in silly yes, season right now. It's an interesting point you make that he's the last of the four still standing. That hadn't occurred to me before. Uh, fair point. I have no particular opinions on him as captain. I feel like that we project a lot onto the New Zealand team as a group, that they're all just like very quiet, nice blokes, <laughs> likeable. I'm sure they're fine. I mean, I actually, I, I hear absolutely nothing in terms of gossip from inside the dressing room. Maybe they'd benefit from a change. I have no idea. Um, I will say I thought... From a New Zealand perspective, it's an interesting contrast between what we were saying about the way Jack Leach has been captained by Stokes and Ajaz Patel bowling two overs, getting slapped out of the attack and disappearing forever. Um, so if I'll criticise Kane for anything, it would be that. Um, but she, she, I mean, at this point, he is Kane Williamson, so he can he can go when he wants, you'd have thought. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I do like stirring discourse, but you are right. Um, you know, I just want to speak really briefly before we pre quickly preview the India test and come on to the women as well in part three that, um, you know, we've got some things right recently, Glenn. I think you and I in the last few pods and boys generally this year, it's been a good year for the pod. Uh, someone pointed out some of Mark Ramprakash's um, bylines in, in recent Guardian pieces that haven't aged so well. I'm going to read four out for you now. Uh, promoting Pope means England's new test era starts with middle order muddle. No, fortunately not, Mark. <laughs> Brendan, McCullum inex Brendan McCullum's inexperience could be a risk too far. No. Giles and Silverwood must go, but Joe Root can help build England's post-Ashes rebuild. Nope. Finally, Hasib Hamid could be a key if England to cope with a lack of Ashes preparation. That's probably the worst one from poor Who's old Ramps. That? 
dear. Mark Ramprakash, yeah. That those are four pieces from the last sort of six months, I think, maybe a little bit before. Can I, I just I... say I love I love that from you, Dan. That was amazing. <laughs> He's coming for his haters. He took some criticism for for your stands on basketball, <laughs> and now you're coming for everyone individually. You brought receipts. Yeah. I am I, I bought receipts. They are they are <laughs> absolutely all there. I was going to say maybe apart from the uh, Hamid one, which is which is pretty um, pretty awful. I think I probably could have co-authored the other three with him. So I, uh, I, 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 I can't laugh. <laughs> I was ghostwriting for ramps. <laughs> uh, it'll all come crashing down this podcast soon enough. Anyway, um, let's really quickly before we end part two look ahead to the the fifth test match between England and India. Hilarious. Uh, obviously, it was rearranged. Should have been at Old Trafford at the end of last summer, but COVID and IPL things meant it didn't happen. Uh, so India are over here now, and we're playing at Edgebaston, which is fun. Um, I think we pretty much know what England are going to do, so I'm gonna, and we spoke about it for like the last 40 minutes. So, Will, tell us where this India team's at. I, I'll be honest, I've, I've not followed anything they've been doing, white or red ball, for a long time, since we probably last played them, as I tend to do, because if it's not anything to do with England, I'm not paying attention. Uh, so, help us out, Will. Where are they at? And are you going to win this series? Well, yeah, you're going to win this series. You're 2-1 up, of course. I don't know. I think they're in an odd place. Um, They've not played a huge amount of test cricket recently. They had a kind of fairly unhelpful, in terms of us learning anything, um, series with Sri Lanka. Prior to that, it was a really odd defeat in South Africa, which was not particularly enjoyable for anyone involved. Slightly strange team this time around. So we've got Kale Rahul is injured and Rohit Sharma currently has COVID. So who is captain? Sorry to interrupt. Me and my mate were playing golf the other day and we could not name the India test captain. It's Rohit Sharma. Ah, I thought However, so. So for a long time, I've had the opinion and I'll die on this hill because it's correct. <laughs> I know you're enjoying basketball, Dan. But yes, it should be benched much. for a week because Joe Root and Virat Kohli should be captains for this test match undeniably oh. it's the fifth game of their series it's their team still and i'd like to see it um and since roach Sharma does currently have covid it's kind of it's touch and go whether or not he'll be back for the test or not because i think it's technically only five days they're supposed to isolate for at the moment so maybe but i would like not i don't wish ill on him i hope he's well i hope that he doesn't make the game because that might make Kohli captain it and i'd like to see that for the last time that um, would be hilarious if it was forced on Kohli again because of like would care or otherwise have deputized if you assume so but he's injured so then it's probably it would be Bumrah or uh Kohli um which does also mean that it probably will have to be a Mayank and Shubman opening partnership which I would suggest gives you a bit of a window of opportunity to be quite competitive (laughs) in this match right I think it's it's the same option it's the same when we were speaking I think we spoke on message last week about how there was talk that Ben Stokes might be ill for the final test and all the options were quite funny in for this india side all the options are quite funny again because <laughs> bumra never really captain before pujar is probably gonna play i think it's a bit weird for him to be in the squad and if he doesn't play and obviously he's been stacking up the runs in div two against maybe some good against very now g- very, very good, good teams such as, yeah. such as durham and and, and uh leicestershire yeah exactly um and then you know because Rahani's not in the squad either, obviously. Shreyas Iyer has played like two tests, but is supposedly going to be the future captain, but hasn't played any games. And then obviously going back to Kohli is objectively very funny as well. So I look forward to seeing who they go to. I also hope Rohit's out just because it's funny. It is very funny that our, uh, our, our, I would say celebration on your part, Dan, our sort of commiseration that Pajara was out of the squad several months ago we thought that was goodbye he's immediately back he's missed one series uh and now probably is, start is this is this pudge back is he going to be like cementing this team again or is it no one else to back three is that it because he is stacking at the well was stacking at the runs of sussex is this not yeah, just like I mean, let's get him in for this one test and then go oh okay we'll move on again or is this potentially long term i think he's back pudge back yes <laughs> Get Push in there. Jim when we Jim when we Jim when we like fondly said farewell to him and Rahane is that little double pivot in the middle order. And then that well, one of them's back at least. Um any other news, Will? Or is it sort of as we saw them? I did watch a bit of that South Africa series, or is it as we saw them last winter, I guess? Yeah, pretty much. It might again, those kind of selection headaches with the injury, you might see Vahari this time around. Um Prasid Krishna was in the squad, who I like. 
briefly okay. a Rajasthan Royals bowler, uh, but pretty much same ish eleven you'd think. There we go then. And Glenn, should we just should should it be the same two squads that that finished the fourth test and they get to pick from them? I think it I think it should be that coming on to Will's bring point back of, a super mead. Yeah, exactly. I think Hamid played. I want to say I want to say Craig Overton was playing. Uh, who else was in that? Gosh, I couldn't tell you the fourth test team. I'm going to really quickly Google it while Glenn, you you sort of fight for yes or no for it. it should be the same teams from last year. I mean, the more you're talking about the players involved, the more is a case for no. Sure, surely, Dan. Uh, no, I really want to see. I think India will be a different type of test to New Zealand. And I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for the, you know, the new management, uh, Basball, Stokes, everyone to test themselves against, you know, a, a different team. I'm, I'm excited to keep it straight as is. That excites me far more than rehashing what was, uh, you know, an entertaining, if disappointing, uh, series for England a year ago. I think new management, let's roll with it and, uh, and give uh, India a thumping at home. So this would this would be the team potentially right if if we played that fifth test in uh, when it should have been uh, Roy Burns and Hasib Hamid opening the batting, okay. Yeah. Darryl Balan at three, who I think could still play an England test match again. Joe Root at four, Craig Overton at five. Obviously that was a night watchman thing. I'm just reading the second inning scorecard here. Uh, Pope Bearstow, Moeen, of course he's now retired and unretired. Chris Wokes, Ollie Robinson, and James Anderson. So not a heck of a lot of carryover, but you know, would it still be a fun team? One would one would expect. Uh, so me and Will will be there. Um, I'm there on the Saturday. Will's there on the Saturday and Sunday. We're in the West Upper Stands, so not quite the staying away from the fancy dress and the holly. It's going to enjoy some some cricket, I believe. And Will, by the sound of it, you think England are going to win? Yes, and draw the series two two. I do. I do kind of think Good. that, which I, Good. which would, which would, which would hurt me. I, I would feel aggrieved by that because we should have played it six months ago and we would have won. But uh, um, you know, there you go. Alas, and uh, Glenn, unfortunately, your New Zealand series was you went two one England. So well done for picking England win because I certainly wasn't, but wasn't quite there. But are you feeling an England win in this one off test? So we can see more basketball. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think, well, you know, we've just played three tests and been successful in all of them. So, and we're the home team. I think we, we should win it. Um, I hope it's a really good game. I, I can certainly see us losing, but I think, hope it goes, we've got some good weather, goes the five days and we get some quality test cricket. It should be a lot of fun to watch. That isn't the point, actually. All the games have gone to five days in the New Zealand series, didn't they? And well done to Headingley for making it free as well, by the way. Brilliant. We like that atmosphere at the minute. Uh, right, that'll do for part two. In the third and final part, we're going to look at the England women's test match going on right now against South Africa. And we'll have Zach's quick question as well. Hello, welcome back to the third and final part of this week's episode. Um, and another test match is going on. We must talk about um, it's just wrapping up day two as we speak. Uh, England women versus South, South Africa women, excuse me, in a one-off test match uh, at Taunton, which has been uh, good fun so far. Uh, Glenn, how's it been going? It's good to see England ladies playing test matches that, that, that aren't enough. And we know that already, but let's enjoy this test match while it's on, I guess. Yeah, and just before we talk about the actual cricket, um, yeah, I do you want to mention that the, the kind of disgraceful comments said by the ICC chair, Greg Barkley, in the lead up to this game, um, where he kind of turned what could have been a positive saying, you know, uh, England skipper Heather Knight's called for five day tests, um, which I think all of us agree on. Of course, that makes sense. Much more fun than four day tests. Um, and why are they not playing it? Um, so Barkley said, you know, five days are required and that and that should be happening. So I was like, OK, well, that, that seems all right. But unfortunately, then he kind of pivoted um, and said that he didn't see women's test cr- uh, cricket being, um, quote, any part of the landscape moving forward to any real extent at all. End quote. Jeez. And he doesn't see. Yeah. And another quote, he can't see um, women's test cricket evolving at any particular speed. Um, so really damning stuff there. Uh, ridiculously uh, ignorant comments there. So it's a shame that he had to, you know, with a, that was, you know, maybe clouding this uh, test match a little bit. But fair play to everyone involved so far, as always, as is always the case. We had a really thrilling end to the ashes um, back in Australia a couple of months ago. The, you know, the women doing the doing the talking on the pitch. I mean, it's fantastic cricket. Um, South Africa um, in their first innings, 284 all out. I'm sure a lot of listeners would have been hopefully watching this. Um uh, innings very much um, saved by the captain 
South African uh, captain uh, Cap, who scored a wonderful 150, uh, really elegant um, innings, at a really healthy strike rate of 70, really rescued it for the South African tourists because the second highest score was 30. Um, so really almost just a, a one person show carrying that innings. Um, and then a lot of England batting today, which is wonderful to see. Uh, Nat Skiver getting finally um, getting her 100, her maiden test 100, which was um, absolutely wonderful. And then one of the debutantes, um, Alice Davidson Richards, um, scored first test match ever, a magnificent, I've said that word a couple of times in the last <laughs> hour, but an extraordinarily good 107. And I had the absolute pleasure of watching most of that session where they piled on the runs. I didn't see... Um, uh, uh, the, a couple of wickets that did end up falling, um, at least one, I think, towards the end of the day. But their partnership was absolutely superb. Zach, you're nodding. I know you watched a bit of this as well. And I mean, it's just excellent test cricket. It's great to see it at Taunton. Um, sounded like a good crowd, um, really good atmosphere there. And I mean, the fans were in for a treat. It was it was fantastic stuff. And, you know, anyone who, who was enjoying the men's game, there's no reason for you not to watch the next two days of this because it's been great entertainment. Yeah, and another... Brilliant, completely echo what you said there, Glenn. Another brilliant women's test we had. The England-India test last summer that if there'd been a fifth day, it was really finely poised. We had the, obviously, Ashes test was brilliant. And then we've got this, which is, you know, great, great test match. We've had both innings have had early wickets fall and then a big rebuild partnership through the middle. And Alice Davidson-Richardson is only the second player to score a century and take a wicket on debut can you name the other one gosh oh glenn knows go on mate well i i only know do, do, do you want to guess because i only know because i think zach sent it to our group chat a second ago uh is it including men's cricket mm-hmm. uh is it a man okay um gosh i don't think you're gonna get it it's very <laughs> rogue is it really rogue okay just give it to you. otherwise it's gonna be dead what? air for five minutes of a podcast <laughs> It's WG Grace, so oh, it's not a bad, not a bad that's bit a great of company list to put yourself on. So well done. Um, there were four debutants in total, so four caps handed out. Um, highlight for me seeing Izzy Wong get a go and get her first Test wicket at the same time. She is the first debutant for England, men or women, who is younger than Wikipedia. So there's a fun stat. For that's you. a fun stat. That, that is, is a fun stat. Isn't that a nice way to frame things? Things that are older or younger than Wikipedia. Also, nine caps given out for South Africa. I think I count. I was trying to count them in the picture um, because I think it's only because it's the first Test match since 2014. So obviously, a lot of players who've not played Test cricket. Marzan Cap. It was only it's only her second Test, and she's you know been a stalwart for years. It's great to see. So my list. I always I keep an eye on women's Test cricket, especially for the list of players who've got centuries across all three formats because they get such limited opportunities you've got to keep an eye on it and heather knight's the only woman on the list so far unfortunately cap is now only uh t2000 away but she does come in a bit low down on the order for that so how, how about nat siver has she got is she missing both same difference balls? no it's, it's the exact same thing she's she's uh she comes in a little bit too low down the order generally so it's going to be hard um, and yeah, worth pointing out that Cap's innings was the highest score by a South African woman in Test cricket. And not only that, I mean, at the it's probably changed now because um, she it's probably bowled with a new ball as we've been recording effectively. But her first twelve overs of the England innings went for just eighteen runs, so miserly with the ball and just extraordinarily good with the bat. It's been really good, and it's great to see Zach. I know Dan, you just touched on some of the debutants. Wickets for loads of them. Lauren Bell, Izzy Wong, you've touched on, and as you just mentioned, uh, Alice Davidson Richards. So you know. Um, looking really good and um, yeah and the fourth debutant um, our new opener Emma Lamb got a very solid looking 38 in the first innings a shame couldn't quite convert that to a 50 but that is a good score that is a solid score for your for your first test inning so really good stuff it's a bit of a rebuild project at the minute a lot of people Shrub Sol Catherine Bunt you know stepping away from the team iconic players so big shoes to fill but I think it's been a really encouraging start I was just going to say that actually there's two fairly big retirements and very good first two days for this new test setup with those two key figures missing. So uh, two days to go. England currently lead by 44 at the close of day two. Uh, so do watch that if you can. Uh, it will be finishing on Thursday. So hopefully England, England can squeeze a win there. Um, right. Time to wrap up this podcast this week. A lot going on. But 
Zach, quick question time as always. We finally got the the, the Matt Pryor question out after I think people waited for a couple of weeks, which which would have been painful. Uh, what was the question last week? I have forgotten. <laughs> so unfortunately, I, I actually picked a really bad quick question last week because I picked, I said who the top five run scorers in T Twenty cricket across this year so far, and in the last week. <laughs> that's changed because people <laughs> score runs there's cricket on who yeah, there's knew cricket on at the minute Zach. yeah it wasn't a historical question that was very much a live question exactly exactly so terrible question from me and it did mean your guy Mohammed Rizwan came close to getting in that top five who you guys mentioned obviously Butler's in there but top who is someone who wasn't in the top five last week is Sham Masood because he's oh, been scoring runs for Derby wow well I how is he ahead of Butler? Me and Glenn was so sure Butler would just have to be top after his uh, IPL exploits. Butler has only played in the IPL. Butler's played 17 T20s in this in this um, calendar year. The next lowest in this list is, is Sean Massoud with 25, but obviously he's played PSL and now playing Blast. So Sean Massoud is top with 994 runs. Alex Hales is second on 972 because he also played he also played BBLs, yeah. played loads of games. Good. Tim David is third. Nice, he's I played, Tim David. I he's played about a million. He's played 39 T20s already this year, which is 10 <laughs> more than anyone else in the list. Uh, Will Jacks is fourth. Because okay. he's having a really good blast. Good and he played for, he played in the Bangladesh Premier League and the PSL. So he played a few games there. Didn't do too well, but he's having a bumper blast. So that's helping. And then Butler is fifth. And considering he's played so many less games than anyone else, it's pretty impressive that he's anywhere near there still. And I'm sure hopefully he can he can push on and get towards the top of that list. Well, if you're listening, you did get that exact top five. Well done. It may, you know, your answer depends on what day you listen to the pod, I think, pretty much by the sound of it, because it's been a busy week for T20 runs. Um, okay, what we got this week, Zach, to, to, to wrap it up? So, Owen Morgan retires as the leading six-hitter in ODIs in English history. And he's fifth in the overall list. Can you name the four men above him in this list? ODI sixes. Men. Not from England, obviously. And Chris Gale must be on that list. Okay, cool. I'll give you one then. Uh, I'm going to say other names and don't tell me if they're right or wrong. But someone like A.B. de Villiers. Someone like Kevin Peterson. He's English, so that would be incorrect. Ignore me. We'll give you Chris Gale and, and you'll go. Can we have... No, I might give it away if we give away the other countries. Uh, they are all from Asia. There you go. That's, there's, there's a nice little clue. Okay, enjoy. You'll hear the answer to that next week, of course. Any questions for us? Do you want to hear us answer? Chat about, debate, any a quick question maybe? We can have a reader's quick question one day. Tweet us, we're at rainstoppod. Uh, but for now, that will have to do. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, a full panel once again. Will, thank you for coming on. See you next week. Bye. Glenn, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Uh, see you next week. And Zach, thanks for joining us, pal. See you next week. Thank you, Dan. And thank you very much for joining us. Enjoy all the cricket this week. Reminder, me and Will are at Edgebaston. Buy us a beer. Or we'll buy you a beer. I don't know how this works. Uh, but until next week, thank you very much for joining us. Goodbye. Bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.